Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. Come on, is anybody excited to be at church today? Anybody? You guys, you look great this morning, and uh, we're excited tonight, uh, night of worship right here, 6 o'clock. We want you to be here. It's going to be an awesome time for about an hour. We're just going to be in the presence of God, and uh, we do this periodically throughout the year, and so we would love for you to be here tonight. As it, We're doing this one as kind of a part of the May We Pray uh, thing that we've had going on. We're on Tuesdays. We're gathering together and spending time in prayer here at the church from 6 to 7. And so uh, we wanted to uh, incorporate also a night of worship because we believe it's, uh, it's important to have times where uh, we just come to be in the presence of God and, and uh, just lift up the name of Jesus. And so we want you to be here tonight, 6 o'clock. It's going to be amazing. Um, be here on Tuesdays from 6 to 7 uh, for nights of prayer through the month of May. And then the last thing I'll make mention of, and then we're going to get into the message today, is grow groups. Our summer semester of grow groups is going to begin the week of June the 5th. And here's what I would tell you. It's what I've told you probably the last couple of summers as well. And so I hope you hear this. Uh, we know that you are going to be gone in the summer. Everybody say amen. So here's what we're asking you to do. Um, we know that there's a tendency to say, you know what, I'm not going to get in a group this summer because we're going to be gone for like two weeks on vacation. We're going to be gone here. We're going to be doing this or whatever. And here's what I would say. Go to the beach and put your feet in the sand and enjoy vacation, enjoy time with your family, enjoy going to that amusement park or wherever it is that you are going. And when you're here, be in a group. Just be in a group while you're here. Don't, don't, Exit out of all community and all growth and everything, you know, really spiritual in your life for the summer. Like, go be on vacation. Go enjoy those fun trips. Go enjoy family time. And then when you're here, uh, just be in community. Be in a group. Stay connected through the summer. And so June the 5th, that week, is going to be the week that kicks off uh, a shorter eight-week semester of grow groups. So normally they're about 12 to 13 weeks in the spring and fall. But in the summer, it's a little bit shorter. And uh, we also have our serve day coming up in July. We're excited about that. If you've never been a part of that, we're going to give you more information in the weeks to come. But uh, we're, we're looking forward to community this summer. So we, we were in a series uh, of messages uh, that were just kind of standalone messages ever since Easter. And we've talked about some different things. Doug Reed was in and talked about the anointing of God. And Amanda spoke on Mother's Day and talked about uh, seeking what is sacred and seeking first and this idea of what it means to seek after God. And to put him first in our lives. Last week, if you were here, we spoke on prayer. It was teach us to pray. Um, all of those messages, I think, would encourage you and teach you something. And so I would encourage you to go back, if you haven't already, and, and check those out. Uh, but today, we're beginning a new series that I'm excited about. I've been praying for the last few months where, uh, where God wanted to take us through the summer months. And, uh, and, and I felt like there was this direction that we're going to be in a series, a specific series, uh, going through what we're calling Red Letters, and it's all about the teachings of Jesus. And so for the entire summer, we're going to be focusing in on things that Jesus taught. Specific things, if you have a, a red letter Bible, if you have a Bible that you know, has the words of Jesus in red, we're going to be looking at the things that Jesus taught. And here's, here's what's interesting about the things that Jesus taught. If you ever read through the Gospels, and you see some of the things that Jesus says, you would recognize that Jesus had a way of saying things that sometimes offended people. 
Jesus had a way of saying things sometimes that we stopped and thought, if you've ever read through the Gospels and you've read some of the things that Jesus taught, there have probably been instances where you've read something and you're like, "Mm hmm, I don't know, like, forgive or my Father in Heaven won't forgive me. Like, what does that actually mean? Like, I don't know if I really want to receive that. Like, I have to, like, I have to be willing to forgive others and things like that that Jesus was, you know, one time Jesus was teaching and he said, you know, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And I'm sure everybody was like, what in the world is going on right now? And so we're going to talk about what are going to be probably some challenging things, but they're going to be some encouraging things and they're important things because here's what we know. Jesus was the best teacher of all time. Jesus was the best teacher. He was better teacher than anybody you've ever listened to on a podcast or on Facebook or anything that you've ever heard in your life. Jesus taught us some things that we need to apply to our lives. And so we're going to jump into that today. And I've titled this message for part one of our series as we kind of begin this summer series, Fighting Together. Come on, look at your neighbor and ask him, say, hey, will you fight with me? Will you fight with me? Some of you are like, that's my spouse, and I don't, I don't really want that to happen. Will you fight with me? I want to talk to you on this idea of fighting together, and we're going to bring it all together at the end and talk about the importance of this. And today my message, honestly, is on three verses. Three specific verses, but here's what, here's what I felt like uh, I needed to do. Before we get to the three verses that are going to be our main text for the day, uh, I felt like I needed to build a foundation so that you will listen to the three verses that we're about to communicate on today. And so here's the first question that I want to ask you to ask yourself as we begin today is, when I think about being a part of a church, what do I think about? So think about it, you know, for just a moment. When, when the word church comes through my mind, when I think about, you know, it's on Thursday and I'm thinking about church, or I'm thinking about Impact Church, or I'm thinking about the church that I'm a part of, or being a part of the body of Christ, or a local body of believers, what comes to your mind? And here's the reality, that being a part of the church, being a part of the body of Christ, is so much more than a one hour and 20 minute experience that we come to on a Sunday. There's so much more to it, and there's, because as I was thinking about this, why would it be such a big deal for you to be a part of a church if all there is to it is a one hour and 20 minute experience every, once a week? If that's all there is to it, why are you here? Is it, is it to just feel better? I did my thing. I, there is so much more going on when Jesus said, I want you, when you become a part of the body of Christ or part of a body of believers, there is so much that comes with that. And so I was reading through some scriptures, um, I love what Paul says uh, in a couple of different places about being a part of the body. This is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable, so that there would be no division, somebody say no division, in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time that you had a fellow brother or sister in Christ that was suffering and you were suffering with them? That you cared so much about them that the fact that they were hurting caused you to hurt and you just wanted to be helpful in any way that you possibly could? Or when was the last time, and this one, if we're being fully honest today, this one is probably more difficult. When was the last time that you saw somebody else who was a Christian, 
that you looked at their life and you thought, man, God is blessing them so much. And when was the last time that you saw them being honored or you saw something great happening in their life and you, get this, rejoiced with them? When was the last time that you saw something great going on in somebody's life that you know, man, that person's a believer, they're a follower of Jesus, and I'm just so excited for what God is doing in their life because most of the time we have a tendency to look at what other people have going on in their lives and we're like, wow, why is God blessing them and not blessing me? Why are they getting to experience that, but I'm not getting to experience that? And we have a hard time, don't we? Can we be honest at church today? Can we talk about the hard things at church today? We have a hard time rejoicing with other believers when something great happens in their life. Because we start to question, well, why is that not happening? Or we start to compare. And, well, I have been more of a faithful follower of Jesus than they have. Why is that happening for them and it's not happening for me? Instead of rejoicing, and Paul says, listen, when one member of the body suffers, all members suffer with it. When one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. And then in Romans chapter 12, he says this, For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly, as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. And I love reading things in different translations. And you can see this in other translations. It, it phrases that last line as each member belongs to one another. So to call yourself a part of the body of Christ, or even if we could put it in this context, this local body of believers means that I am saying that I belong to you and you belong to me and there is so much going on that needs to happen behind the scenes other than just gathering together and saying hi on a Sunday and saying bye on a Sunday and we sang some cool songs and we heard somebody talk and I think I probably need to do something when I leave today but I'm not really sure what it is. There's so much more to being a part of the church than that. Like we're, we're called to more than that. I want us to also look at Acts chapter 2, and we did an entire series on some of the things talked about in Acts 2 a little over a year ago. And I want to read verses 42 through 47. This is talking about the very first church. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. And here's what I notice and what I think you'll notice as you read through scripture. Here's what I think you see. That being a part of a body, a church body, isn't just a place, about a place where we come to once a week together. We could say it this way, a church body is called to live under the authority of Jesus in fellowship with each other and provide accountability to each other. And if you were to dig into the word of God and read through the New Testament and what it looks like to be a part of the church and the way that Jesus designed the church to operate, you would see that, hey, we are under the authority of Jesus. He is the head of the church. We're under the authority of Jesus. We're in fellowship with each other, and we're called to provide accountability to each other. We could say it this way if you want to write it down. We submit to Jesus and his design for the church. We fellowship together, and I like this wording. We look out for one another. 
We submit to Jesus, we fellowship together, and we look out for one another. And in my notes, I put it this way, that when we submit to Jesus, we're under authority. When we fellowship together, we're in community. And when we look out for one another, we provide accountability. Why? Because we're a part of the body. And because we love each other. Because we care. And today, I want to look a little more in depth into the accountability portion of what it means to be a part of a body of believers. And um, this is something that the Lord put on my heart to speak on, and, and, and I jotted down just a few reasons why I felt led to share on this topic as we kicked off this, you know, because there's going to be a lot of things that Jesus taught where it's like, wow, I didn't know that was in there, or wow, that, you know, seems very difficult to do, or wow, I've been handling that wrong all along, and I need to make some shifts and some changes, but um, I think this is important for us to talk about, what we're, what we're talking about being a part of the body and this accountability portion. Um, and here are some things that I've noticed and that you've probably noticed is that too often Christians are hurting their brothers and sisters more than they're helping. More often, and I know it's going to be quiet today, and that's fine, but more often Christians are hurting each other more than they're helping each other. Um, if we were to be honest, too often we would rather be right than restore. Too many times we would rather be right. We would rather people know that we are right. We would rather make a point than bring restoration in people's lives. And so this is obviously a struggle. This is a struggle for our human nature. This is a struggle for us as we look around even the room today because too often we're actually causing hurt instead of helping and we're desiring to be right more than we're desiring to restore somebody. And as Paul mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12, part of what we're called to do as a local body of believers, as a part of the body of Christ, is to have concern for one another. And I put it down this way, the goal in concern for one another should never be to try to be right or to criticize or to cause hurt or to gossip or to try to make someone else look bad. That's not what God has called us to. He's called us to something higher. He's called us to something better. He's called us to something that actually produces health in our lives. And anytime that there's an issue that comes up, our goal should always be love and restoration. Anytime there's anything going on in your life, like love and restoration. How can I love my brother or sister well? How can I restore them or restore the relationship or restore this area of their life? And for the next few moments, I just want us to focus in on uh, what, what some of us would consider a difficult passage, but there's a lot of what Jesus taught that's difficult. But it's something that, this is the way I felt like the Lord put it in my heart as I was preparing this. That if this, if this teaching, if we would apply what Jesus taught in this area, and really all the areas we're going to talk about over the summer, but if we would apply what Jesus taught in this area, it would change everything. It would change everything. And my goal today is to prove to you that it would change everything and that hopefully the Holy Spirit will speak to you if there's some course correction or something that he wants to teach you through this. And so 
Uh, before we jump into these three verses, because I know you're dying to know what these three verses are that we're going to talk about after I built it up so much before we get to them, I want to ask you this question just so we're all on the same page, okay? Has anybody ever had anybody who offended you? Come on, let me see your hands. Rachel, come on. Everybody's going to participate at church today. Everybody's going to participate. You've ever had somebody that offended you? Hold them up, hold them up, hold them up, hold them up. Everybody look around the room. Look around the room. You've ever had somebody that offended you? All right. You've ever had somebody that sinned against you or that talked about you or that did something that, that hurt you or that you thought, man, I wish they wouldn't have handled it that way? Come on, raise your hands again. Come on, everybody's going to participate at church today. Look around the room again. Okay, here's what, here's what I'm trying to establish. You need these three verses. If you just raised your hand for anything, if you didn't raise your hand for anything, number one, you probably don't like raising your hand and you're sitting in the church and you're like, wow, they're raising their hands. This is weird. I don't know that I'm ever coming back here ever again. Or, and that's okay. Or, you're not raising your hand because you're like, mm. But here's what I know about you and what I know about me. Is we've all gotten it wrong in what we're about to talk about. And so I want to jump into three verses, and I'm going to go one verse at a time, and my points are going to come straight from something that Jesus said. And so here we go. Put on your seatbelts. Get ready. Matthew chapter 18, and I want to read verses 15 through 17. This is Jesus speaking. He says, if your brother sins against you, go tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he won't listen to you, take one or two others with you so that by the testimony of two or three witnesses, every fact may be established. And he's quoting an Old Testament scripture right there. He says, if he doesn't pay attention to them, tell the church. If he doesn't pay attention even to the church, let him be like a Gentile and a tax collector to you. Jesus is giving some instruction for the proper way to handle when someone sins against you or when someone causes an offense towards you and there are three things that i just want to break them down really simply it's going to be very practical today three things that jesus says and before we do that there's one thing that jesus taught that we're not talking about today but jesus taught this and in every situation this applies and that's forgiveness in every conflict in every offense, in everything, every conversation that you have, forgiveness is always the baseline. So you go through this entire process and nothing changes, forgiveness still applies. You do everything else that Jesus has taught you to do or that he told you to do or that you read in the Gospels and nothing changes, forgiveness always still applies. And so here's, here's the first thing that Jesus mentions, and I've just put these very simply. He says, number one, keep it private. Keep it private. Um, I'm going to spend the majority of the message on point number one, and here's the reason why. I think if we would learn to take this first step, there would be a lot of instances where we wouldn't have to take the next two because we took the first one. And there are a lot of things that can happen whenever we just take this first step. So Jesus says, he says, keep it private. This is verse 15. Look at it again. If your brother sins against you, go tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've won your brother. Now, I had your, I had your hands raised a minute ago, and when we talk about 
You know, has anybody ever offended you? Anybody ever sinned against you? Anybody ever done anything that, you know, just you, you're not even sure why they did what they did, but it hurt you in some way, and we're all enthusiastically, you know, most of us are like, yeah, you know, some people are like, if I could raise my hands and my feet, I would right now because that's happened to me. But what if I was to ask you if you've ever been the person that caused the offense or that sinned against somebody else or that did something that now, come on, you look back now and you're like, mm, I would have handled that differently. If I could go back and do that again, I would not do it the way I did it before. Because that wasn't the best way to handle that situation. That wasn't the best way to communicate that, or whatever the case may be. And here's, here's what I know about you and what I know about me. I have messed this up so many times. There are instances I look back in my life and I think if I could go back to that scenario, I would do that differently. If I could go back to that situation, I would handle that differently. I would talk about that differently. I would do that completely differently. Because hindsight's always twenty twenty. But here's what I think Jesus is trying to communicate to us. If you'll apply this and put this in front of you, and you'll run all of these things through this filter that I'm trying to teach you, it will save a lot of heartache, and it will save a lot of strife, and it will save a lot of problems in your life and in your relationships. We tend to, you know, want to get other people to solve our problems when something's happened, or we've encountered something, or we have a tendency sometimes to try to get people on our side when something has happened or something has transpired, and, and that's not the first thing that Jesus said for us to do. Here's what Jesus, he, he doesn't instruct us to tell anyone else about the issue. He instructs us to go straight to that person with a heart to let them know, hey, this is what you said, this is what happened, and this is, what it, this is how it made me feel. I love Jimmy Evans because he teaches on this even in the area of marriage to where you go to your spouse and you have the ability to go to your spouse and say, you know, I don't know what you meant by that, but let me tell you how that made me feel. And can we talk about it? And I think this is what Jesus is communicating to us as the body of Christ. Is that, hey, here's the first thing that you need to do. The first instruction is that you just need to go to that person and have a conversation. And the trouble that we run into a lot of times is caused, listen, because we don't do this. A lot of the issues we run into and a lot of the problems we run into and a lot of the things that we look back now and we're like, wow, I don't even know how we got to this place is because we didn't do this. We didn't apply this one simple thing that Jesus was teaching. And our human nature wants to tell everyone else about what we've experienced, wants to talk about the situation instead of going directly to the person to try to bring resolve to the situation. But here's what I know and here's what you know. Come on, if we're being honest today, when we talk to others about it instead of the person, the issue spreads and strife is multiplied. And now what was just a little thing that we just needed to have a conversation about now involves 33 other people because we've spread it around and more strife and more heartache and more things and more problems are being caused because we didn't apply what Jesus said to do. We didn't go about it in the way that Jesus said, hey, if you'll handle it this way, it'll always be better. And he gave us a pattern to go off of. I think that there are, there are so many of us maybe that you know, we don't want to apply what Jesus said here because we would rather be right than we would restore. We would rather people know 
I was right. Then win a brother. And so our goal becomes winning an argument instead of winning a person. And Jesus said, if you go to that person and it gets resolved, guess what? You've won a brother or you've won a sister. You've won somebody back into the body. You've, like, there was somebody that was going astray over here and you went to them because you love them and you're concerned about them and you brought them in and there was restoration that happens and we can't be more concerned about being right than we are about restoring, restoration in people's lives. We have to start going to people directly. And why is this important? I think because it's possible one reason might be because it's possible that they may not even realize what they've done. And so we've been offended and we've had something happen to us. And whenever you go to that person and you just have a conversation, hey, I don't know what you, anybody ever had that situation happen before where you're like, I don't really know what they meant by, by that, but we just start making it up in our mind. Well, I think this is what they meant by that. And I think this is the direction they were going with that. And I think this is what they're telling everybody else about me with that. And instead of going and saying, you know what, hey, I don't know what you meant by that, but this is how it made me feel. Can we just talk about it for a minute? And here's what happens sometimes. I didn't even know that bothered you. I didn't even know you had an issue with that. I didn't even know that was a thing for you. I didn't even know that was a problem. I didn't even know that I had said it or that I had come across in that way. And the Bible says, Jesus says, when you go and you handle it in that way and, and there's restoration that happens, you've restored, like you've won that person over. And there's no division. And there's no further issue. And there's nothing else really that even has to be done because you took step one and you did what Jesus instructed you to do and it resolved the issue and it restored the relationship, it restored the person. And sometimes you may be offended by something or I may be offended by something that that person didn't even realize had caused us offense. And we're to approach all conflict and all these conversations with this idea in mind that it's about winning a person, not winning an argument. It's about winning a person, not winning an argument. When was the last time you got in an argument and you want, let's just, let's just take marriage for a moment, all right? Where are all my married people at? Okay, a lot of married people. When was the last time you got in an argument with your spouse and you won the argument and you felt like, I'm so glad I won that. We're at peace because I won the argument. Never. <laughs> you may have won the argument, but let me tell you something, you lost the war, buddy, because... There, there is no peace that comes from winning an argument. But when you win a person, when you come to the table to try to understand, and when you come to the table to say, you know what, I don't know what you meant by that, but this is how that made me feel. Now there can be restoration and there can be resolve, and then we can be at peace with one another. And Jesus is saying, this is how I want you to handle it. This is what I need you to do because it's better this way. Restoration is always the goal because this conversation we're having is out of love. You know, we were in this series in Galatians, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. We talked about it several weeks back, but Paul writes and he says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. And he goes on in the next verse to say, carry one another's burdens. 
You know, like look to restore that person out of love because I love you because I'm a part of the body and you're a part of the body and you're a part of the body. Like, hey, there's going to be some accountability and there's going to be some love and there's going to be some restoration and there are going to be some conversations that need to be had. This verse gives us this picture that, that uh, these matters should be done cautiously and gently and humbly and well thought out. And the Greek word, I find this interesting that Paul uses here for the word restore in Galatians 6.1, it actually can be a medical word that means to set a broken bone or to mend something. And Paul says, here's what, if you see something like this going on, here's what you need to do. You need to try to mend it. You need to try to make it better. You need to try to restore it. You need to try to restore that person. You need to try to restore that relationship. You need to go about it in this way. It's the idea of mending or repairing what isn't right or to set a broken bone. And here's what I know about setting or restoring a broken bone. It takes patience, it takes care, and it takes tenderness. When you have a broken bone in your body, you have to have some patience. You have to take care of it, and you have to treat it tenderly. And I think that's why Paul says these things, like you need to have a gentle spirit about you like going in love to say hey this is what happened or hey this is what i see in your life and i've been down that path and i see the path that you're starting to go on and because i love you as my fellow christian brother or my fellow christian sister i'm gonna go to you and i'm gonna say hey i want to help you like are you okay are you okay because i want you to be restored and i want you to be healthy and i want you to be okay i want you to stay a part of the body Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, Paul says, But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. Being Christians who speak the truth in love is God's standard. And I know you've probably heard this before, but if you have truth with no love, you're harsh. And if you have love with no truth, then it doesn't help anybody. It doesn't bring restoration. It doesn't resolve anything because you have to have both. And we're called as members of the body of Christ to look out for one another in such a way that sometimes I have to speak the truth in love. And it's not because I want to condemn you and it's not because I want you to feel bad and it's not because, you know, I want to be right. It has nothing to do with that. It's because there needs to be restoration, and this is how we stay healthy. This is how you stay healthy, is when we operate in this way. So when someone has sinned against us or someone has offended us, the first thing that Jesus says, hey, go to them privately and talk about it with this heart and this attitude of love and restoration. And then here's the second thing. He says, ask for help. Matthew 18, 16, look at it again. But if he won't listen... Take one or two others with you, so that by the testimony of two or three witnesses, every fact may be established. And I won't spend as much time on this one, but I do want to make a couple of points on this, because I think that you should prayerfully consider who the one or two people are that you need to get involved. Because many times we would say, well, I did step one, and now I'm going to go find some people that are on my side. And I'm going to go gather those people up who are on my side. And we're going to go talk to that person and set them straight. And that's not what Jesus is meaning. I think, that you need to, I think that you need to prayerfully consider, Lord, who is the one person or the couple of people that I'm supposed to share this with 
so that they can help me. And I would even encourage you to ask them, when you know who those people are, to ask them, will you take the next two or three days and will you pray about this with me? Will you pray about what's going on and what I've just shared with you? And I just want to make sure that we're handling this in the right way. Will you take some time and pray about this? And why is it so important that we ask them to pray with us? Here's the reason I think it is. Because sometimes you may be wrong. Sometimes the situation may be that you're wrong. Or that you're seeing things from a different perspective. Or that, you know, that, that they know something that you don't know. And so because we're operating and we're doing it in the pattern that Jesus said, not only are we keeping it private and we're trying to restore that person, but now we're going to people and we're saying, hey, will you just take a couple of days and pray with me about this and just be honest with me? Am I making a big deal out of nothing? Is this something that we need to go talk to them about? Like I went and had this conversation. This is kind of how it went. But pray about it because there's a chance that it may not be something that really needs to be talked about. You know, involving one or two other people can ensure that this issue issue isn't just this personal squabble or a false accusation or just an overreaction to something. And so ask those people or that person that you're sharing this with, you know, hey, this is the situation where you pray about this and will you be honest with me because there may be a chance that I'm the one that, that is blowing this out of proportion that I'm the one that needs to take a step back. And maybe there's something going on in me that I need to be healed from. And that's the reason why I'm seeing everything or hearing everything from this perspective. There's a filter that I'm hearing everything through. There's a filter that I'm experiencing everything through. And so maybe there's something inside of me that needs to be healed. Maybe, maybe I need you guys to pray for me because there's something that is going on. And that's the, why I, that's the reason why I'm taking it this way. And I wonder if anyone has ever thought you know, that you saw something or thought that something happened for a certain particular reason only to find out at the end of it all that maybe it was just an overreaction to something that really didn't mean what you thought it did. And I think this is why it's important that we get one or two other believers to pray with us about it. And then if we are supposed to go to that person, if there is something really going on, then we go to them and there's somebody there to help the conversation, somebody there to mediate the conversation, somebody there to, to help bring restoration to whatever the issue is, whatever the problem is. And the ultimate goal is to be able to work everything out in private, but you know, if we have to move on to involve one or two other people, we're prayerfully considering who those people are. And the goal in sharing all of the details is not to gossip with those one or two other people, or to get them on our side, but to bring in some accountability and some prayerful counsel. Like, hey, my heart behind this is love and restoration. And so I've prayed about it, and I feel like I'm supposed to share something with you. Can you help me with this? And there's safety in that. And then here's the last thing that Jesus mentions. He talks about keep it private, ask for help. And then the last thing, I just simply titled it this, ask the church. Verse 17, if he doesn't pay attention to them, Tell the church, if he doesn't pay attention even to the church, let him be like a Gentile and a tax collector to you. To which I would say, I think Jesus is being serious. And here's when I read this as the worship team goes ahead and you guys can come back. If, you know, if you've gone to the person that has caused an offense or is in, you know, living a lifestyle of sin and you see like, man, I see that they're going off in the wrong direction and I want to help try to bring them back, whatever the case might be, and you've taken you know, this prayerful counsel and there's been a couple of people that have gone with you, the final thing Jesus says is to get the church involved. And here's what you need to know about the church is 
that the church is actually called, there are different places in Scripture, and I'm just going to reference them, but I'm not going to read all of these things, but there are different places in Scripture to where the church is actually called to discipline in situations. And that's not a fun, that's not a fun term. Like, we don't, we don't like terms like that, right? That's the reason why whenever you think about disciplining your kids, your kids don't like that. Because we think of discipline as a bad word, as something that, well, I don't ever want to deal with that. But it's always this heart of restoring the relationship. It always comes from this perspective of there needs to be restoration and resolve and we want everything to be at peace and everything to be better. And we see Matthew 18, we're reading it, you know, here it talks about the church, you know, being involved in some discipline. 1 Corinthians 5 talks about it. 2 Thessalonians 3, 2 Timothy 2, Titus 3, they all kind of speak to it as well. But here's the, the point in all this is going to the person in private, getting a, another person or a couple of people maybe involved in it if need be, and then getting the church involved. And it's all toward restoring a person who's gone astray or who is causing offense so that the body of Christ can remain healthy. So that the body of Christ can remain healthy. The intent and the goal in what Jesus is teaching in this area is restoration and it's health for you. It's restoration and health for the other person. And it's restoration and health for the church. And that's why Jesus has taught us to handle things in this way. It's so that we can be healthy. Will you stand to your feet today? I know this has been, I know this has been heavy in a lot of ways. But man, there are some things that Jesus taught that they just get heavy. They just get heavy. And I want to I end and I want to kind of bring all of this back together. I want to kind of bring this all you know, to, to one conclusion today. And here's, here's how I want to do it. I want you to think for just a moment. So we're all standing and you're here. And, and my guess would be that maybe there are some here that, that aren't following Jesus. But the majority of us here are probably following Jesus. We would probably consider ourselves a Christian, a Jesus follower, a believer, whatever term you want to put on it. But we're saying, hey, we're trying to do our best to follow Jesus. And so when someone sins against us or causes us to be offended or whatever the case might be, I, I was thinking about what are our natural tendencies? Just the natural things that we tend to do in situations like this, right? And I was thinking, you know, maybe for you, it's you retreat. Like you just run away. You just avoid. You just like... Where can I get that's far enough away from this situation that I don't have to deal with this, right? And so when something happens, there are some of us that, like, our natural tendency is to retreat. Another one, I, I think there are some of us, our natural ten tendency is to cancel them, right? We've all, you know, it's, it's funny to me, but you listen to podcasts and you, you, you know, check out the news and things like that and talk about the cancel culture that we live in. It's like, if somebody aggravates me, I'll just cancel you. Like it's a TV subscription, you know what I mean? Like we're just canceling people that Jesus loves. But some of us, it's like, you know, if you're going to be that way, then phew. You know, I'll just cancel you. I think some, sometimes we have a tendency to argue with people. Sometimes we have a tendency to gossip about people. Sometimes, listen, sometimes we have a tendency to leave. And I don't want you to, I don't want you to feel condemned in any way because that's not how God operates. But man, sometimes our tendency is like, man, if it's going to be that way, then I'll just leave this church. And that's not what Jesus desires. 
Now, I, I get it. There are instances and there are things and there, you know, there, there are moments in time where maybe some drastic action needs to take place. But I would say more times than not, maybe we didn't apply what Jesus taught us. And so we find ourselves in the place that we're in because we didn't handle it the way that Jesus would want us to handle it. And as I was thinking about these, and, the, and you can fill in the blank with whatever your natural tendency is. And, but here's, here's what I was thinking about when I was jotting these things down. If you think about these things, you're talking about canceling and arguments and you know, leaving and retreating and all of these things. And here's, here's what, you know this. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. If you, if that's your natural tendency and you, you respond or you operate in that way, that doesn't keep you healthy. Think back on a situation. I can think back on so many situations in my life where I'm like, I handled it that way and I was not healthy. I was not healthy. Like that, that was not good. Here's something else that you already know is operating in some of those natural tendencies. It doesn't keep you healthy. It doesn't, rest, it doesn't restore relationship. It doesn't restore that person. It doesn't seek to restore anybody. And then here's the last thing, you know this. Operating in that way, living in that way, it doesn't keep the church healthy. And we are the church. And Jesus said, those on the outside, those who don't believe the world, that they will know that you're my followers by the way that you love one another. And part of being a body, part of being a part of the body, a body of believers, is that I'm going to look out for you and you're going to look out for me. And there's accountability involved. And I love you too much to let you wander off in that direction. And you love me too much to let me wander off in that direction. And I love you too much to let that one simple thing cause all of this strife between us. I just need to have a conversation with you. And we just need to work this out because that's what Jesus has told us to do. And the goal, Jesus, Jesus wants you to be healthy. And he wants those people or that person, or that situation, or that relationship to be restored. And he wants his church, he wants the body of Christ to be healthy. And I was thinking, what if we applied this teaching of Jesus? What would, what would our health look like spiritually? And what would the church health look like spiritually? How many people could we lovingly help restore? And when we apply this teaching of Jesus and we handle things in this way, listen, the church stops fighting each other and we begin fighting together. We were never called to fight each other. We were always called to fight together. I was never called to fight you. I was called to link arms with you and fight with you. Because there's a real enemy, as Paul would tell us, our war is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and, and spiritual forces in a realm that we can't see. 
And so we were always called to fight together, fighting together for health and fighting together for restoration, fighting together to show the world that we are followers of Jesus by loving each other well. And if I was the enemy, if I was the enemy, I would convince you not to do what Jesus said to do so that it would cause problem and division. Not just in your heart, but in relationships. And Paul said, Here, here's, here's what God's plan is, that there be no division in the body. And I think part of that comes from whenever we take on what Jesus has taught us in this area. And I want to end with this quote, and then I want to pray for you. says, our attitude should not be that of a policeman out to arrest a criminal, but rather that of a physician seeking to heal a wound in the body of Christ, a wound that will spread sickness and death if left alone. Do you hear it? It's love. It's not trying to be right. It's not trying to, I heard somebody say one time, you can make a point or you can make a difference, but you can't make both. called to make a point I think we're called to make a difference I think we're called to restore I think we're called to love I think we're called to accountability and so I want to pray for you and I want to ask you to simply ask one question and we do this sometimes and I feel like today it's very appropriate but I just want to ask you just ask this question say Holy Spirit what are you teaching me and what do you want to say to me through this message what do you want to just ask the Holy Spirit this I love this what do you want to teach me through what Jesus taught what do you want me to do with what Jesus taught because I truly believe if we'll apply what Jesus taught particularly in this area that we're talking about today it would change everything it would change everything can you imagine a united church Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That comes when we're unified. That comes when we're under the authority of Jesus, when we're in community with one another, and when we're looking out for one another. So I want to pray for you. You can bow your heads and close your eyes if you will. And I just want to pray this simple prayer and then we're going to sing this song and our prayer team can go ahead and come down. Lord, I thank you for every person. I thank you for every person in this room, those that are watching online, those that are listening to this at a later date on a podcast or going back and watching this on the app. Lord, I thank you that you have called us here. Lord, we are here for such a time as this. And Lord, I pray that, I pray that you would teach us. And not that just that you would teach us, but Lord, that we would be receptive that we wouldn't have our own agenda, but that we would be about what you're about. Lord, as we go through this series, and specifically even on this topic today, even though it may be hard, and every one of us in this room can look back and think, wow, I have not done that in one instance or another. Lord, I thank you that you don't condemn us, but you just call us to repentance and to just be obedient to you.
And so, Lord, we take your words to heart today. And we ask you, help us in this area. We know that we struggle in this area. Help us in this area. Help us to get this right. Help us to love in this way. And Lord, as we sing this last song, I pray if there's anybody here today in this room that needs prayer for anything in their life, Lord, they need somebody to agree with them, to pray for them, to encourage them, to stand with them. Maybe it's in the gap for somebody else. Whatever it is, Lord, I pray that you would draw every person today who needs prayer for anything in Jesus' name. Amen.